0: This episode is brought to you in part by Thomas
1: Nelson, publisher of But God Can, How to Stop Striving and Live Purposefully and Abundantly, written and narrated by Becky Kaiser and is available everywhere audiobooks are sold.
0: Welcome back to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum, and today I sit down with Heather Creekmore to discuss a woman's favorite topic, body image. At the beginning of the episode, Heather briefly shares her negative body image journey that began in early elementary school. Then we discuss a few root issues that influence body image, how one-liners and popular Christian mantras like, just love your body because God does, are not helpful in shifting the negative body image mindset. And then we go on to talk about some dangers of the modern self-esteem concept. Before we begin, I would like to ask if you have connected with me at graceenoughpodcast.com. And when you enter your name and email address, I will send you a free download, 10 Scripture Prayers to Calm Your Heart. Once you receive your free download, hit reply and let me know what resonates with you from today's episode. Connecting with you one-on-one is very important to me, and doing it via email is one of the best ways to ensure that I actually receive your message. So please head to graceenoughpodcast.com, enter your name and email address, and again hit reply when you receive your free download to let me know what resonates with you from my conversation with Heather today. Without further ado, let's begin. Good afternoon, Heather, and welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Thanks so much, Amber. It's great to be with you. Yeah, I always just welcome everybody on and some people will introduce their guests beforehand, but I really like to allow my guests to really tell us a little bit about themselves, because I feel like you can tell your story better than I can. And so let everybody know a little about you, your family, and what you do on a daily basis.
1: I am a pastor's wife. I'm a mom of four. I homeschool. I've been homeschooling for about eight years. So even before COVID made it cool, we were yeah. in the homeschool camp. Um, and, you know, and so mostly I, I identify myself in those ways. But a few years ago, god put it on my heart to start writing and so now i write and i speak and i podcast and all the things on the topics that i never ever thought anyone would know i was thinking about (laughs) so i talk about body image and comparison issues and really i've just i've been blessed to publish two books Uh, The first one's called Compared to Who, the second one's called The Burden of Better. And um, it's just been a real honor and journey uh, that God has had me on in terms of um, speaking to women, encouraging women, working with women directly, coaching women, um, and helping Christian women, especially, find freedom in in these issues that keep a a lot of us stuck.
0: Yeah, I love that. I mean, because it is so true how it's just, you, when you're younger, particularly, you think that maybe you're the only one mm, who absolutely. is walking through this, even though around us we hear constantly people shaming their bodies or comparing themselves to someone. And so we're going to dig into a little bit of that today. But um, I love that you said just recently that started for you because um, now that my kids are at home with homeschool and and not just because of COVID, same as you, we've done some homeschooling beforehand, but I find myself loving to write and do those things as well. So I'm like, okay, there's hope that I might move forward in this.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, there is.
0: And now what's the name of your podcast? it's called compared to who. So as we dig in today, you are a follower of Jesus and you speak to these root issues of body image. And so tell us a little bit of your personal journey with body image struggles.
1: Absolutely. So, you know, you said when we're younger, we think we're alone and I would broaden that. I, because I, I felt like I was alone in that I didn't want to talk to anyone about it. But yet at the same time, I very much believed that these were just normal girl issues Mm. and that Every woman had to struggle with this because she was a woman. So my issues started in third grade. I distinctly remember a time when I had talked to my mom into buying me this pair of pink pleather pants, I think yes, they called girl. it vegan leather. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, and, and now I'm like, mom, why did you even let me wear those? <laughs> because our great. parents <laughs> love us. <laughs> like, like that's a completely, that's a, it's a much longer discussion, that's right, that's uh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> But but I had these pink pants. And I remember looking in the mirror and thinking, huh, pink pants kind of make my legs look big. And so Mm. I did what a lot of little girls do and what a lot of big girls do too. And I went to school that day and I looked around at the size of the other girls' legs and I made a decision my legs were too big. And what that started in me was a cycle of dieting by middle school, by high school. I was doing a quote-unquote diet called See How Long You Can Go Without Eating. Mm. By the time I got to college, I was feasting and fasting consistently where I would go home from school and I would not eat, and then I would go back to school and I would eat all the things all the time. Uh, by my sophomore year of college, I lost my period. And, um, and what you need to know, Amber, is this was the 90s. So there were really only two categories for eating disorders. I was an anorexic, anorexic because I I had weight that I could lose. Um, and I also, I couldn't throw up. So I didn't fit the criteria for bulimia because though I tried, if I'm honest, I just couldn't purge. Mm. And I thought I was just normal. I thought I just had a normal girl struggle like every other woman I know who talked about dieting and at the time calories and fat grams and exercise. I thought this was just how every woman thought about her life and the world around her and what I didn't know was that I had a problem that it wasn't healthy yes. or perhaps normal in a in a common sort of way it was but but it didn't have to be that I was consumed or obsessed I would even say with thinking about my body all the time and so that realization really didn't come for me for a number of years. I tried all kinds of things to fix my body image. I was certain that body image issues were an external issue for me. I thought that if I could just change my body and get the body that I desired, then I wouldn't struggle anymore. And so I went so far as to becoming a fitness instructor, <laughs> all the things thinking yeah. if I just you know, check these boxes off. I would be free. And none of that worked. Mm. Wow. Yeah. I mean, isn't that
0: the story? And I understand. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's my story too. not to the point of becoming a fitness instructor, but the obsession. Mm -hmm. um, There was purging on my Mm -hmm. part for a number of years, to the point of like lying when people would ask me because it wasn't something I did all the time. Mm -hmm. So that meant it wasn't a problem. Right. And so when did you what happened when you did get to the place where you were like, okay, something on the inside is happening? Like, what was that process like?
1: So essentially what happened was, I think I had set up, and I would call them idols now, but I had set up these, I'll, I'll just call them milestones, right? I thought if I could become a fitness instructor, then i It would be solved for me. I wouldn't struggle anymore. But Amber, Mm -hmm. I distinctly remember standing in front of that first kickboxing class I taught and looking out at the people (laughs) that were taking my class and saying, in my head, she's in better shape than I am. She's got a better body than I do. She has a better kick than I do. I don't deserve to be up here. And, And so that didn't solve it. And then I remember thinking I was single. I was single until I was 31 years old. And so I thought, you know, the problem is that I'm still single. If I could just get married, then that would fix it. But I got married. And again, I remember waking up on my wedding night, waking up the next morning and looking in the mirror, like sitting straight up in bed. We stayed in a small hotel room in Washington, DC. So it was old and old hotel rooms, you know, they're really small. And so I sat up in that bed and I could see myself in the mirror. And I remember looking at my reflection and saying, I didn't fix it. I still feel the same. And I was a crazy person on my honeymoon because I thought my husband was going to affirm me and do all these things to make me feel better. And suddenly my body image issues would disappear. And it just didn't happen that way. And so, so time after time, I thought having children would solve it because honestly, I thought, not not, not the pregnancy part necessarily, <laughs> but I, I really believed somewhere. Okay, albeit naively, I really believed that if I had something more important to think about. Mm-hmm. Like keeping someone else alive, then maybe that wouldn't give my brain time to obsess over things I'd been obsessing over for yeah. so many decades. But that didn't work either. And, you know, of course, (laughs) gaining the weight in pregnancy was a struggle. And then right after, right after I had my first son thinking about, okay, how can I lose this baby weight? And, and, you know, there's a whole nother line of obsession that just started right there, right? And so really, it wasn't until we had, we have four children in four years, no twins. Um, So I had four babies, ages four and under, for about four months until my oldest turned five. And so I I was pregnant or breastfeeding feeding four or five years solid and Mm. you know that's really helpful for your body image (laughs) and (laughs) lots of other things right right. (laughs) but but yeah hormones all the things but I tell you it's it's strange but it was during that time that god spoke to me in a way that i never ever thought he would or could Mm -hmm. about my body image issues i was raised in the church i went to christian school starting in seventh grade i knew i was fearfully and wonderfully made all the things right but that's when god kind of interrupted my regularly regularly scheduled programming Mm -hmm. and introduced me to a concept that I didn't even really know was a thing and that was idolatry and Mm. that's when he showed me that i was chasing a body image idol and that that was the spiritual root of my issues and and as as he in his grace showed me all the different ways that that idol had me in bondage Mm. that's when i started to feel freedom for the first time ever
0: Wow, that is really powerful because so often what we hear is believers, and not just on body image, I mean, you and I both speak on comparison quite frequently, is it, whether body image comparison, no matter what it is that we're doing that we shouldn't be doing, mm-hmm. we often just hear, don't do that mm-hmm. because God, you know, you're fearfully and wonderfully made. Right. Don't do that because God has a unique purpose for you. And while I think you will agree, I believe that. Absolutely. And yet, yeah, that doesn't fix the problem. And so what were some of the things that God really started showing you like about idolatry that you were able to start slowly shedding some of the obsession over body image comparison, whatever you want to talk to there, because they both, they go hand in hand so often for women.
1: I think this will answer your question, but let me kind of broaden it a little bit. I think what happens too often, even in the church, is that we take scripture and we turn it into self-esteem mantras, right? And so that's the case with the fearfully and wonderfully made verse. As I was doing research for my first book on it, I found... I mean you can get that verse slapped on anything, right? You know. <laughs> Nursery decor, you know, w- coffee cups, you name it. You can get that verse on it. God, can do all things through God who Exactly, God. exactly, <laughs> right? <laughs> but so so that verse is out there, but I think what what A lot of times we do, even as believers, with that verse, is we make it a verse about us. Mm -hmm. But if you really read the passage, and if you know anything about King David, who wrote that psalm, right? Psalm 139, King David was a radical worshiper, right? He embarrassed himself, embarrassed, well, he didn't embarrass himself. His wife was embarrassed. (laughs) Let me rephrase that. He embarrassed his wife by dancing in the streets because David was passionate about God, right? And so to To read this verse and to think that David is being passionate about how awesome he is, I think is a gross misinterpretation of scripture. What David is saying is we have an incredible God who made us in a way that, I mean, just look at the digestive system and try to figure out how, you know, how did that do what it, how does it do what That's it right. does and, and and then how is it woven in with all these other systems and like how do our bodies function? Like that is just an amazing example mm-hmm. of how incredible our God is. And so, yeah, I think there's there's verses, there's mantras we know, right? God did make us for a purpose, right? We are his masterpiece, right? We're the Imago Dei, we're made in the image of God. But if we turn all the focus on us as we remember that, it's almost as foolish as <laughs> as, as looking at the Mona Lisa and praising mm. the Mona Lisa instead of praising Da Vinci painted oh it, yeah right yeah right like like no one's like oh wow that art is just so amazing what what amazing art you say that right but you say that because you're honoring the artist mm. and, and that's the same with us when we turn the word of God into self esteem stuff that's about us and how great I am. And I'm so awesome. It always falls flat. And so I believe that my journey in in discussing these things in a church context, going to the Christian conferences and hearing God made every woman beautiful. You're awesome. Just go out in the world and remember you are an awesome daughter of God. It's like, yes, that's true, but what's important in that equation is Mm -hmm. the God part, not necessarily Mm -hmm. the me part. And Mm -hmm. the more we navel gaze, the more we focus on trying to find awesome things about ourselves, Mm -hmm. like we can hype ourselves up for a little bit, but then we kind of crash again, right? Because we know- I know that, that we're, you know, that, well, it, it really, you know, going to comparison, it gives us so many opportunities. If we're going to navel gaze and look at, oh, look at how awesome I am. And then you run into someone else and you're like, oh, I don't know. She's kind of more She's awesome. more awesome. <laughs> so where does that leave me? And, and, you know, and it just, it changes. Mm-hmm. It changes the way we can look at our lives, the way we can look at our struggles with comparison, mm-hmm. the way we can look at our struggles with body image when we are free to just say, you know what? What's awesome in this equation <laughs> is oh, God. God and the grace he's bestowed on us and the purpose he has for me. Yes, all those things are fantastic, but he's He's what's truly important.
0: It's so incredible too, because I feel like as parents, And I know not all parents feel this way, um, but we so often now will say, oh, this self-esteem culture with Mm -hmm. our kids, we need to kind of back up, you know, what was really popular back in the 90s and even early 2000s of like, give everybody the trophy. We're starting Mm -hmm. to realize like that that there's some real danger in not teaching our kids. Like, yeah, I mean, we're great that you, I mean, it's great that you participated, but that doesn't mean you're the best, (laughs) right? (laughs)
1: Right. Right. Well, and if you look at the data on, on self-esteem, like a lot of even mainline psychologists, psychiatrists are really backing off of self-esteem now because what's happened is we've created a generation of narcissists. Yes. And, and if you look at the state of California in the 80s actually introduced a self-esteem curriculum into the public schools with the aspiration that once children learned self-esteem, then these other social ills would diminish. So drug use, would would diminish and teen pregnancy and you know substance abuse like alcohol abuse would diminish that they would do better in school all these different things right self-esteem was going to fix society's problems. And you know what happened? Exactly the opposite. The higher the self-esteem, the the more increase in drug abuse and and suicide. And I mean, just college students, uh, for incoming college students, there's a study amongst them every year, and it actually asks them questions about how they feel about themselves, where their self-esteem is. And what's interesting is the last several years, college students have reported higher self-esteem than any other generation in history, right? College students think that they are awesome. But if you look at what else is happening in college students, right? We've got higher levels of depression, higher levels of anxiety, higher levels of suicide, Suicide. Mm -hmm. higher levels of eating disorders, all of these things, right? Self-esteem is not fixing it. And yet where I get annoyed is if you type into Google right now, how do I fix my body image issues? You're gonna find about 150,000 articles that tell you you need more self-esteem. And so we're really leading Mm. people astray telling women that they just need to go look in the mirror. This was literally on the Today Show. Look in the mirror until you decide that you love yourself and then you can go out into the world confident. Like the self-love movement, all of these things that we are pushing women towards, even in the church or in Christian circles sometimes. That's the thing
0: that bothers me. Yeah,
1: we're, we're leading them into a ditch. <laughs> well, and that's the thing. Right? Out. <laughs> right.
0: That's the thing that bothers me most because I expect it from the world, but I, mm. I look around and I'm like, and I'm talking, I'm preaching to myself here. Mm. Um, we're looking to the world to define so much of how we view right. things as believers and followers of Jesus than we are looking to him. And that's what right. struck me about how you are talking so much about. I can say to myself, This obsession with body image is an idol, but what does that actually mean for me moving forward? And that's the way I also feel about in church. You're right. People, we stand up and we're chanting things. And that's not always bad because you do want people to believe those things about themselves, but you've got to have some biblical context. You've got to have something, a solid foundation to put your feet on because like you said, scripture gets misused all the time. And so, what are some things that you tell women when it comes to God's word? How do we get started in unraveling this?
1: right well yeah it's definitely both and right because i i I do believe and in fact i would say in my ministry my fault is i've shied a little bit too far away from the affirming statements right because i'm like (laughs) i don't want you looking in the mirror (laughs) i don't want you doing those things right you know but because i feel like there's enough of that right but but yes the idol it just it manifests itself in so many different ways right i mean really without that idol we wouldn't compare the way we look to other people right because it's that idol that tells us that there is an ideal i sometimes think that those two words are, are interchangeable a lot of times our ideals are our idols and so those areas oh. in which we tend to compare ourselves the most which for a lot of women is body image right what we are exposing is that we have an ideal or an idol in this arena and we're Mm. believing a lie that says if i just looked like her then my life would be better happier more peaceful all those things i mean really i think one of our underlying motivations is always rest right? It might sound a little odd on the surface, maybe not to moms, right? Because we're like, yeah, amen, sign me up for rest, right? But if you think about it, why do you go on a diet? You don't go on a diet with the hope that you'll be on a diet for the rest of your life, right? You go on a diet with the aspiration that when you're finished the diet, you'll be able to rest and not diet anymore. Now that's a lie, right? Because if you yeah. go on a diet, you come off a diet. You have to go on another diet and go off a diet. Like I, I'm not really a big fan of dieting. Okay, but it's the same with, with exercise or really any of those things that the body image idol tells you will change your life in, a, in an ultimate or or shall I say otherworldly way, right? Um, because there's nothing wrong with exercise. There's nothing wrong with eating healthy, right? Those, those are not bad things, but when we idolize them, we put them in a the spot where they, we believe that they're going to do something ultimate for us, and that they're going to save us really is what it is. I I like to tell the story of, I think, The Biggest Loser, the television show. I don't think it's on anymore. But The Biggest Loser told us a salvation story. And I think that that's why so many people love that show. Even people that don't have any weight to lose, you can watch that show and you watch someone go from hell, right, where they're trapped in their house, they can't move. They meet a savior. It used to be Bob and Jillian, right? And that savior, that savior would do what a savior does, right? A savior transforms us, right? Mm-hmm. And that savior would take them out of hell, would transform them. And at the end of the show, we see a very American picture of heaven, right? The American dream is to be able to wear cute clothes and run marathons. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's and so the person goes from heaven, they meet their excuse me, from hell to meeting their savior, and then they go to heaven. And that's that is that is a cultural kind of salvation that I'll be honest with you, I bought into, I used to love the before and after stories in the back of magazines. Like those were awesome to me. Just tell me how she did it, how'd she get the body, (laughs) how'd she lose the weight? I'll just be just like her and do it and, and it'll work out for me and I'll have my before and after story. And I think what God is calling us to is to remember that he's already given us if you're saved, right? If you are a believer and follower in Jesus, he's given us a before and after story. That is so much more awesome than than losing some weight or transforming our bodies, right? It's it's transforming our hearts in a permanent way. And and I think we can easily lose focus and and buy into this worldly definition of salvation. And and that's really what the idol does. It it asks us to, to buy it. It sells us something that's not true salvation. And that's why it's an idol.
0: Yeah. Wow. It is so true. So when you're in your own story and with like eating, when that transformation happened, did you start on a journey more of like intuitive eating or, you know, what does that look like in your life now? Because there's so many things, there's mindset shifts you have to conquer. There are not just one mindset shift. There's a lot of mindset shifts you have to really conquer um, and begin to surrender. But then there is still this Oftentimes, obsession, control is a lot of times one of the root problems is we Mm -hmm. want to control everything. Um, So what did the food transformation look like
1: for you? And even exercise? Yeah, food is hard. Exercise is hard too. Um, I would say that the main thing, even that I tell women now, is that I'm free, but I'm still tempted right Mm -hmm. and as long as i live here i'm gonna be tempted that's right and so it is very tempting for me if someone waves diet pills in front of my face or if someone tells me that they're on a new diet and i see them losing weight it is very tempting for me to jump in and be like "Oh, i'm gonna do that too Cause that's what's gonna oh that's gonna fix everything and the mind starts turning right oh what would it be like if I could just oh, if I could just lose 20 pounds wow how good would I feel this summer oh and it just but but what I have to do is when those wheels start turning when that temptation comes uh, I have to say wait a second here I'm accepted by Jesus just the way I'm right now. If I, if I lose some pounds, he's still gonna accept me. Mm-hmm. That's great. But that is not where my salvation is. That is not where my worth is. That is not where my identity is. My life does not begin 20 pounds from now. Right? <laughs> like because yeah. I feel like there's a lot of women stuck there, yeah right? If I could just lose this weight, then I can start doing the things I want to do. No, no, life doesn't begin when you lose the weight. life is life is what's happening right now. and we miss it with those if then statements exercise. I was addicted to exercise. I burn out my adre- adrenal glands, uh, which took me to a place where I had to not exercise for six months, which is really hard when you're a compulsive exerciser. Mm-hmm. And so I'm very careful to, instruct women with the truth that we need to move and it's fun to move and glorify god with our bodies i love exercise but if you are essentially acting like an exercise bulimic right where you're trying to work off enough calories to burn off whatever calories you counted for that day right that's an unhealthy way to interact with exercise if you're exercising out of guilt and shame right? Like that's, that's not what exercise was intended for, right? Like that's, that's adding this whole layer of, of really what it is Amber. And I love since your show has, has the word grace in it. I mean, really all of these things we do in relation to our body image, they can really be captured in the little box of trying to earn are worth right like we try to self-justify and this, in the realm of body image we tell ourselves that we will be worthy when mm-hmm. we get that body right and god's in heaven saying no my darling you are already worthy and we're like yeah i hear you god but i will be more worthy in my mind according to my definition when i can do this and look like this and you know and and it's really a false sort of justification right like yeah i see what you did on the cross there jesus but this 20 pounds i lose that's what's really going to make me awesome and and no one would ever stop and break it down like that. Right? (laughs) Like that's not what's going on in our minds. But I think when you really step back and look at what's going on in our hearts, that's where we're at. We're trying Mm -hmm. to justify ourselves. And and a lot of times trying to justify ourselves to a world that's that's not even going to be kind in measuring our worth (laughs) accurately when we lose the weight, right? Or when we get the body. Well, and
0: I think sometimes too, I, I will have to tell myself and even some other people who would actually speak to me about it. Cause I'm not, you know, a body image coach or anything, but that idea of think back, you know, if you're a person who maybe you were your size, you wanted to be, did you really feel any different? I mean, if it's a true struggle for you, most of the time you can say, no, like I've been, If I don't look this way, if I don't wear these things, Mm -hmm. if I don't have my, this, my hair fixed this way, if I don't have this amount of makeup on, you know, I mean, whatever it is for you, typically it didn't matter your size or your, your age or your place or position in life. You were speaking some of those same lies over yourself. And so I love that you said temptation. I'm still tempted, even though I've, you know, made progress, even though I coach in this area and so as we close out, if someone is talking to you, if a woman just says, you know, these these thoughts pop in my head constantly. Mm-hmm. What do you tell them to renew their mind? Yeah.
1: Well, I tell them what 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 the Bible says, right? We're we're told to take thoughts captive and and surrender them to Jesus, right? And so I I, I don't know, I live in Texas. So like and I live in Austin, so this is not a big rodeo town, right? But but I picture rodeo, like, uh, calf roping, right? Where, like, you're literally, like, swirling that rope in front of, or over your head, right? And, and tying it around the calf and, and yanking him out of the corral. And I think that's what we have to do with our thoughts. I would say that the challenge for most women that I talk to and work with is these thoughts are so frequent and so common. They've been there since they were nine or 10 years old. Yeah. They're like old friends that they don't even recognize anymore. So step one is always to stop and start like actually hearing those thoughts in your head. And then step two is to kind of figure out, okay, when are these thoughts in my head coming? And then, and then step three is to separate what I like to call... Well, not what I like to call what God calls <laughs> condemnation versus yeah. conviction, right? So the enemy always comes with condemnation, right? He's going to he's going to tell you things that will shame you and guilt you and and you know and make you feel awful, right? That, that's not how God speaks to us. Right? Now the tricky thing is the enemy always sprinkles a little bit of truth in with his lies, right? Yeah. So So maybe you've gained 10 pounds, he's gonna bring that up, (laughs) right? And you're gonna say, oh, that's true. And then you're gonna accept the whole rest of the lie because you've gained 10 pounds. You know, Your husband doesn't want to be intimate with you anymore. You Mm -hmm. probably should stop going to those activities that you used to go to because it's kind of embarrassing that you've gained the weight. Like, I mean, the the realm, Amber, I've met women who who were convinced that they should stop going to church because they'd gone up a size. And Mm -hmm. I'm not talking, I'm talking a size eight to a size 10 right? I mean, this is the level Mm -hmm. of stronghold this is for a lot of Christian women. And so, yeah, listening to those lies. And then once you're able to identify those lies, that's when you take the thought captive and surrender it to Jesus. Wait a second. This isn't true. I don't have to accept this. I don't have to operate for the rest of my day out of this lie, right? Because that's what I used to do, right? Mm -hmm. The enemy told me, look, you gained some weight, you're not worthy. I have to spend the rest of the day on Google trying to figure out how to (laughs) How to lose that 10 pounds, right? Or just obsessing over it like for months. Right. You know, and then and then it would really affect the way I would interact with other people, right? Because even though probably no one else noticed anything that had changed about me, right? But then I would feel bad and then, oh, well, I don't wanna talk to them and maybe I'm not gonna go to this social thing that I was gonna go to. And I'm definitely gonna make sure to, you know, turn my husband down if he's interested in anything tonight because blah, like why would he wanna be with this? And you know, it just, it, it just, spills over into yeah. all of life. And, and that's why, yeah, we got to take those thoughts captive, stop the thought train. Yeah, <laughs> I call it the runaway the train. <laughs>
0: right. <laughs> right. I'm like, what are you going to say to yourself to stop the runaway train? Cause right. you got to stop it before you can address it.
1: Right. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So thank you so much for that because I just know, I mean, I know so many people listening are like yeah this has been a constant struggle of mine I'm always trying to figure out what do I need to do next right. to make the change and um we really do refocusing our attention back on God the creator and the fact that he is the one who made us the way that we need to be speaking to ourselves is because he is great not because we are great right and so heather if people want to connect with you where can they find you
1: they can find me at compared to who dot me, M-E. Uh, my podcast is called compared to who my books are compared to who and the burden of better and they're on Amazon and all the places that Christian books are sold and I love connecting with women I'm on Instagram at compared to who
0: yeah, well, I thank
1: you so much for being here
0: today and just for talking to my audience about this.
1: My pleasure. Since I
0: asked you at the beginning of the episode to connect with me at graceenoughpodcast.com by hitting reply to the email letting me know what resonated with you from today's episode, I think I should share with you what really resonated with me. When Heather spoke about how we have made an idol out of our bodies and a lot of it in the Christian world has to do with how we have taken the verse we are fearfully and wonderfully made and turned it around to be so much about how awesome we are instead of how awesome our God is. We want to love ourselves because God loves us, but this is not a pep talk to where we say, oh, I'm so great, I'm amazing, I'm awesome, I can do everything. No, it is really because God made us. He is great, and because He is great, our bodies are great. We don't have to work harder for approval of man or give ourselves constant pep talks. I look forward to hearing what resonated with you. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough podcast. Tune in next time.